comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Facebook, no Twitter, no smartphones, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. It's the Walking Dead TV Podcast, episode 54, 18 miles out. We are strangely shorthanded again this evening. This is John. I have with me Jim and Mr. Jordan from Jersey. Hello, fellas. The J's are holding down the fort tonight. Yes. Yeah. You, you have to have the letter J as an initial to be on tonight. It's been done before. It'll be done again. Uh, Brad left on a little business trip. Russ is uh, either saving children from a fire or reprogramming the internet. You can never tell. Or both. Yes, that would be a feat. Saving infants from fire while reprogramming the internet. He's got two hands. That's true. It's the least that he can do, I would think. Anyway, uh, I think what we're going to do is we have a lot of stuff. We have a lot of emails. A lot of people were chiming in about this episode. Because it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, um, It was back to form for the most part. I think everybody would agree that it was uh, a little bit more of what we like to see, which is cool. And uh, because of that, we have a lot of stuff that we want to cover. So I think for tonight, being that we're a little shorthanded, we're going to push some of the stuff. You know, maybe we'll do iTunes reviews next time and uh, voicemails next time. And we're going to stick to a couple of emails and, and we'll do the Buster ratings and stuff like that, like we usually do. But before that, uh, once again, our show is sponsored by DCBService.com. Go to Discount Comic Book Service for all your comic book needs. Uh, not just the comics themselves. You can get the trade paperbacks. You can get magazines. You can get toys. You can get comic-related uh, apparel like hoodies and T-shirts and all sorts of cool things. Um Visit them for 40, 50, 60% discounts. I would love to tell you about a bunch of new things that they have uh, listed right now, but any day now, the solicits for, let's see, May, I believe, will be out any day now. So jump on the site in the next couple of days. They'll have all their new items out for May. Plenty of Walking Dead and zombie-related stuff. Um, the Walking Dead Weekly the the monthly regular Walking Dead issues, the trade paperbacks, the hardcovers, the Omnibuy, all that great Walking Dead stuff. Add the code WD8 if you've never ordered from DCB Service or if you haven't ordered in the last year. They'll throw another 8% on top of your already fantastic discount. That'll bring you somewhere around 50% usually for all new comics and stuff like that. So DCBService.com. They've been supporting us for a long time. We thank them, and we urge you to give them a try. So let's do a little quick house cleaning. Uh, Jim, we have some comments that kind of go back to past episodes, yes? 
We have a couple, yes. I would like to direct the first one to our good friend Jordan from Jersey because I know he knows more about this than I do. That's me. That's from, that is you. Uh, we're talking from, uh, again, email from uh, Greg the Skamikaze on iTunes. Hey, I like WD the name TV already. Guys. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, WDTV guys, I just wanted to let you guys know how much I love the podcast. I especially enjoyed the little clip of Five Iron Frenzy you played at the end of the Trigger Finger episode. If you're Five Iron Frenzy fans, I'm sure you know that they're back from the dead and getting ready to record a new album. Uh, one of their new logos is actually one of their old mascots coming out of the ground like a zombie. I love that they actually refer to themselves as an undead band. Anyway, keep up the good work. I look forward to your podcast every week. Thank you, Greg Laskamikaze. And uh, can you speak a little bit to Five Iron Frenzy? Uh, I, sh- I sure can. And first off, thanks, Greg, for the email. Uh, are you affiliated with the Skamikazes at all? I wonder. Anyway, yes, I am a huge Five Iron Frenzy fan. And actually, if you go back to August of last year uh, to hhwlod.com and check out Half Hour Wasted Episode 234.5, um, I did an answer to the Half Hour Wasted Episode 234 where they talked about their favorite albums of all time. And so I did an episode all myself with my favorite albums of all time. And my number one was actually the the final album from Five Iron Frenzy, or the final album up until now called uh, The End Is Here, which is a great album. So if you want to hear more about that band, if you enjoy the song Kamikaze from their album Cheeses, um, yeah, check that out. But yeah, as Greg mentions, they just recently started a Kickstarter campaign where they decided, hey, it's been eight years um, since we've been a band and we want to come back. We want to raise $30,000. And I'll have you know, they raised that $30,000 in less than an hour and then their their final total was something like $180,000, I think. So they uh, they did a great job, and they will be coming back. And I am super excited, and they have a new song on the website for free. So check that out, fiveironfrenzy.com. But we're not here to talk about Fire and Fren- Five Iron Frenzy. We're here to talk about Walking Dead. So let's get back to that. But thank you again, Greg, for your awesome email. Jim, do we have one more, I think? Yes, we do. We'll have a couple after the show that are a little more germane to the episode after we've discussed it. But this kind of speaks to what happened in the last episode. It's from Susan Yeager. Uh, I find it odd that Dale would tell Lori that he thinks Shane killed Otis rather than tell her that he actually witnessed Shane drawing a bead on Rick when they're in the woods and keeping Rick in his sights longer than what would be considered an accident. This is what he knows for a fact rather than telling her things that he speculates. Thank you, Susan Yeager. That's a really good point. I mean, he knows for a fact that, that Shane, you know, had Rick in his sights, but he does not know for a fact that Shane killed Otis. I mean, Shane's all but admitted it to him, but I mean, as far as like what he's actually witnessed himself, you know, I mean, she makes an excellent point, I think. Yeah. Well, on that, on that same track, Lori also was telling Rick all these things that she thinks might happen or speculates to and leaves out the fact that Shane really did assault her in the CDC. Yeah, it's almost like this is exactly what we needed so that it's not such a leap for for them to be making these accusations about Shane. You know what I mean? Like if if Dale included that he saw Shane, you know, just about to shoot Rick, that would, you know, make him believe more of what he is suspecting about Otis. And if Laurie then included, yeah, and he attacked me in the CDC, then it would be like A plus B equals C, which, or 1 plus 1 equals 2. A plus B doesn't really equal C. I don't know. <clears throat> then it would make much more sense, uh, the whole scenario. So rather than us saying, wow, how did Dale figure all this crap out? You know, that would spell it out much more clearly, I think. Yeah, and again, it's, it's the difference between uh, what he thinks he knows and what he really knows that he knows. You know what I mean? He thinks he knows that Shane killed Otis, but he actually knows that Shane drew a beat on Rick. 
Yes, it's a, it's a honeymooners episode, and I know that you know that I know. To the moon, Lori. baby, you're the greatest. Very well. So thank you for the emails. We do have more for uh, eighteen miles out that we'll do after the synopsis. And here with said synopsis is Jordan from Jersey. Hey, yes, eighteen miles out uh, aired this week, and it was actually set a week after the last episode. So this is, to my knowledge, the first time we have had a time jump of more than, say, a day or two in the show, which was, I think, a much-needed change. Where did they give us that information that it was a week? I, I missed that. And uh, I was kind it was of... when Shane and Rick get out of the car to look kind of at the crossroads. Right in the beginning, they say something about it's been a week he's been recovering, or have had him at the farm for a week, or some, something along those lines. Very good. Rick says he's been waiting a week to talk to Shane, pretty much, too. I think that's... Oh, uh, that, that might have been the exact quote. The way yeah. he couches it. Yeah, sorry, I've been waiting a week to talk to you about this. So, yeah, it's the, the first time jump, and I think in, in the comics, not to bring this back to the comics, but we, right off the bat, don't we leap forward, like, six months, like, within the first 12 issues at one point? Like, we get through the first winter in one or two ep- issues, I think. Yeah. So, yep. so it's it's about time the show started getting a little bit more fast-paced in that regard. Not necessarily in a, in a specific episode, but just moving the story along, I think. So it was a nice change. But like I said, Rick, uh, Shane. From- uh, before you get to that, I'd like to talk about the cold intro open that they started with. Um, they the um, they had them, the, before the, the before the credits uh, rolled for the episode, they had like a slice out of the most desperate and action-packed part of the episode with all the walk. We see, you know, Shane running into a bus with a big crowd of walkers behind him. We see the kid uh, whose name always escapes me. The, Randall. Uh, the kid, this, thank you. Randall Graves. Hey. Um, we see the kid shimming on the ground to get the knife. We, you know, we see Rick. You know, we see them all in the uh, thick of being attacked by, a, you know, a big um, crowd of walkers. And, you know, no explanation, no anything else. And then it goes right into the credits. And I, for one, was very happy to see that, considering how few zombies were in the last few episodes. Um, it was cool to see you know, a full-on walker attack like that again. I think yeah. I did. I enjoyed. I enjoyed that scene very much. So I think I could have used like a one-week earlier tag after the credits. You know, some, the editing just seemed a little bit choppy. Like I guess you could figure it out for yourself, and it's it's no big deal. But I was confused for a minute there. Uh, by the sort of abruptness of the whole thing, and then it goes back to them on the road. Yeah, the, the in media Reyes openings are something um, Breaking Bad and Mad Men, more Breaking Bad, I think, um, tend to do quite often. It's kind of an it's not really an AMC thing. It's it's a you know storytelling tactic that's used by a lot of people, but AMC likes to use it a lot. So it's nice to see it on The Walking Dead. But yeah, I know some people were a little bit confused. Or some people just don't like in media race openings in general. They, they feel like it, if I already know they're going to get attacked, then it er- erases the tension the rest of the episode. For me, it heightened it though. It was like, okay, I know that, you know, everything's going to hit the fan and any time here. How is it going to happen? Right. And, uh, I kind of like it, but it's not for everybody. And, and what's cool about this one was it wasn't just a zombie attack. Rick and Shane were working together. So it gives you more of that. Well, how did we get to this point? You know, because these guys have been basically hating each other lately. You know, how did we get to the point where they were working together or were alone somewhere? You know what I mean? So it brought a little more suspense or, or mystery, if you will, into, into the whole thing. Right. But so after we have all those opening things before the credits. Um, I don't think there's any dialogue in that sequence at all, except for maybe some brief yelling. Uh, but then we, we go to after the credits, and this is where 
Rick and Shane are in the car, and Randall is there as well. They're beautiful Hyundai Santa Fe. Was it Santa Fe? I never saw the, the name of it. Hyundai Santa Fe, my friend. Brought to you by Hyundai. <laughs> I get my uh, check from them every week, so I have to make sure I mention that. So. No, no, we understand. Got to make a living, sir. Uh, so they're in the car. Randall's there as well, but we don't see him at first. And uh, they talk about they talk about him though. They're bringing him 18 miles outside of camp, and Rick's looking for a place to to set him down. But they get out before that. They get out at a crossroads. Um, somewhere around this time, they they pass a single zombie in a field, which is kind of our our uh, metaphor for the episode that we'll we'll talk about later. Um, but they get out at this crossroads and they're talking for a bit. This is where Rick finally says, "Look, I know, I know everything, but we've got to get past this." Um, Lori says, "You're danger." This is my family. You think you love her, but you don't. And you have to understand that it's not going to work. I, I know. Now he uses the phrase, I know about what happened at the school, what happened to Otis. Um, and like we've already said, he doesn't really know, but regardless, that's the phrase he uses. And Shane admits to it, says he sacrificed Otis to save Carl and that he doesn't think Rick could have made the same decision. He thinks Rick, he thinks Rick would have been too weak. Um, but Rick says he would do anything to save his wife, his son, and they're yet to be born, uh, gender indeterminate child as of now and uh they get back in the car and then we cut back to the farmhouse and this is where there was we- a there was a really weird part to the scene though i mean rick lays it on the line to shane he's like look you know you think you love her you don't love her you know it's my wife my son my unborn child and all this and then shane kind of stops and says hey you know I tried to save you from the hospital and I saw the, the, uh, the soldiers coming and killing people, not killing walkers. And, you know, he was saying that he, um, he wasn't, uh, he was living, he didn't live for them. They are, he, you know, they weren't living for him. He was living for them. You know, he was, he's basically telling Rick what he wants to hear, kind of. You know what I mean? It doesn't really seem like, I mean, he's trying to be the, 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 the old friend and the, the likable Shane that, that Rick knows and loves, but it just seems, it just seemed to have like a, be like a false front. Like he was, he was telling Rick exactly what he wanted to hear after Rick laid it all out for him. Yeah, I can see that. But he definitely doesn't deny any of his love for Lori or what he's trying to do. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, around it. He's perfectly willing to admit Otis, but he sidesteps around Lori and Carl. Yeah, he, he sidesteps around it, but he's not, you know, no, no, Rick, it's not like that. You got it all wrong. You know, it's not any of that. Um, I mean, he obviously right. knows that Rick uh, is on to the whole thing, and he just kind of like puts his head down a lot. And is this where Rick tells him to look at him, please, or is that? I think that's later on, maybe after the fight. No, that's the scene. He's like, "Can you at least look at me when I talk to you?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after that scene, we cut back to the farmhouse, and this is where we get most of the rest of the cast we're going to see in this episode. Very small focus, uh, or very, very focused focus. I'll say in this episode, not small, uh, but that's Lori, Maggie, and Beth, and then later we'll see Andrea as well. But, uh, but no, no Dale, no Daryl, no Carol, no Herschel, no T-Dog. Yeah, this kind of uh, – I was going to bring this up later, but but since you mentioned it, this was – it felt to me very much like Lost in – not not in many ways because Lost is a very different show. But Lost could very – could do a very good job of taking this week. We're just going to focus on these six people. There's 40 or whatever survivors on the island. We don't need to touch on every single story this week. And I think that's a problem Walking Dead has had in the past where they just, well, we need to have our scene with Daryl. We need to have uh, T-Dog in the background. We need to have uh, a 30-second to two-minute scene with Dale. And it just feels it feels disjointed in many ways. And by by narrowing the focus and just today, this week, we're talking about these three guys over here and these four people over here, they were able to tell a much more 
um, dramatic and effective story. You know, you know, it's it's funny that you say that, and I I totally agree. And it's kind of ironic that on the show where no one is safe, it became pretty apparent that the cast is too big. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, in many ways, yeah. If a few people got yeah. killed off, and we were left with like this number, I think the show would work a lot better. I agree with what, both of what you're saying, Jordan. I mean, sometimes it can be very unwieldy with a big cast to give everyone their moment in the sun. And John, it's absolutely right. It makes it, pain, makes it painfully aware to me that the cast is too big and needs to thinned out. And here comes the end of the season, you know? Yeah, I read an interview with Robert Kirkman today when he was talking about the show, and, and they brought up this fact. And he was saying that it's something they're probably going to be doing more often now is this episode – you might only get half the cast, and next week you might get the other half, or you might get a, another mix of them. But it's something that Glenn Mazzara and here are working on. Glenn Mazzara being the new showrunner, they're working on more of just let's focus this and not let things get unwieldy. And I think uh, more power to them if it works as well as it does this week every week. Um, we should be in for for a nice ride for the end of the season. I wonder if that saves money. Like, does Norman Reedus get paid for this episode? Anybody who's a series regular is getting paid for uh, – this is how I understand it anyway. Anybody who's a series regular gets paid every week. That's what series regular means. It means you get paid whether you're on there or not. It's in your contract. Um, guest starring, usually you're only paid for what episodes you're on, but it's in your contract what how many episodes you're going to be in. And then when it comes to also starring, I have a feeling that that's – they only – pay you when you're on the episode and it's not contractually obligated that you are going to be in eight episodes or four or maybe it's just that guest starring is you're going to be in eight for sure and also starring is you could be in four or you know more or less something like that but but yeah that that's how i understand it so it could be a cost saving measure but i think it's also you know like we talk about cost cutting measures a lot not every cost cutting measure is bad for story in fact many of them serve the story you know you, you think back to Things like the original Star Wars, sometimes when you can't have a big battle or you can't have a special effects there, you're forced to do something in camera, you're forced to do something more intimate and more just with the characters, and that can make the difference between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back and, you know, Phantom Menace and, and Attack of the Clones. Not to get too geeky with it, but you know what I mean? Yes. Yep. Um, but with the scene, something that kind of bothered me, who is farming all these vegetables and baking all this bread for them and butchering all these chickens? Uh, who? Where? The log carriers. <laughs> the log well, carriers. I mean, the people who lived on the farm presumably know how to work it. And I'm assuming the other folks who we didn't see this episode are chipping in in some way, at least in the preparation. It did occur to me during this scene and more in the scene with uh, with Andrea that's coming up that... Lori is cutting vegetables a lot in the show. <laughs> she's she's she true. does a I lot of work in the kitchen, um, which was kind of funny when you hear the conversations that are that are coming up. Yeah, yeah. But so anyway, we got the farmhouse. We got Lori and Maggie there, and they're taking care of Beth. Um, Beth is no longer in her shock-induced coma or whatever it was. We never really get an explanation for what was going on, and as far as I'm concerned, we don't need one. I think it's not good to just probably put that behind us. But anyway, she's awake, um, and Maggie and Lori talk about Glenn. Maggie wants to know, you know, did you hear anything? You know, he's he's blaming me, and uh, Lori tells her, you're going to have to make Glenn man up. We then cut back to uh, Rick and Shane on their trip, and they're still looking for a place. Rick wants to find, you know, a good place to, to leave Randall. He doesn't want to just leave him for dead. He wants to give him a chance. And he also talks about the upcoming winter, which made me cheer inside, because that's uh, that's going to be a nice change of pace for the show. And how about they also need to conserve ammo, and they need to start stockpiling food so that Lori can cut it. 
And right and, out of the comic, too, which always makes you cheer a little bit inside yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. And, Shane, and this is where Shane's just kind of listening and barely and, and looking out the window where he sees that one one zombie by itself running through or not running, but kind of ambling through a field. Well, there's the whole thing where Rick's like, we have to do this and the winter's coming. If we have a winter like we had last year, I'll probably slow him down because we had all that. And he tells the story about the birthday cake and his friend being snowed in. And, you know, he talks about how they have to, you know, they stock up for the winter. And, you know, and Shane just looks out the window. And it's like, sounds, sounds nice. It's almost, it's almost you know, like, like, like I couldn't tell if he was being sarcastic or he was, you know, agreeing or both. And it almost feels like Rick's trying to gauge, like, if there's any way that these two can get things back to normal and just have, like, regular conversations and move on. You know what I mean? Like, it seemed like very casual conversation after what just went down. It, it seemed almost like um, Rick was being kind of naive about the fact, like, almost he thought it was over. Like, oh, glad we got that out. Glad that's done. Yeah. So they finally get a little bit further than 18 miles. It's like 18.6 or something like that. When they come across a public works building and uh, Rick decides this looks like a good spot. So they go up to the fence and there's a there's a zombie right up there. There's also some uh, some like completely burned bodies. Like I don't even know if they were zombies or, or just dead people. But no, you, I you lost. forgot the really cool scene at the fence. These are bodies that have been completely uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Rude. The bodies at the fence as well. Which ones were those? No, I mean, the scene at the fence where Rick is like, no, we have to learn how to conserve our ammo and use our knives more. Oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Skipping that. Oh, I'm sorry, because I, I thought you found the burned bodies after that. I, I couldn't remember exactly where they saw the burned bodies, but yeah, Jim's right. They they get to the fence, and uh, at first they see one zombie and a security guard or police officer out a uniform of some type. And uh, so Rick cuts his thumb, wipes the blood on the fence to see if that'll uh, lure the zombie in, and it very certainly does. The zombie starts licking at the fence, and Rick stabs right through the links of the fence into his head with a knife. And then uh, another another zombie in the same type of uniform comes out. And uh, Shane follows suit. Right out of the comic again. We always have to throw that in. Uh, the cutting yourself and using the blood as bait. bait. Um, I was I, That whole scene made me smile. That's why I definitely wanted to mention it. I'm sorry if I stepped on your synopsis. No problem. And according to Kirkman, again, in that same interview I was reading, he said this was actually an idea Scott Gimple brought to the table. Scott Gimple co-wrote this episode with Glenn Mazzara. He says, yes, it was right out of the comic, but... He said uh, Scott Gimble knows the comic so well, he brought it up, and I had actually completely forgotten about it. So it was a nice little nod back to the books. That was that was very cool. Jordan, is that interview – do you recall if the interview that you're talking about is from the Image Expo that just happened? Uh, It is from – this is from an IGN interview. Okay. IGN Comics interviewed uh, – Walking Dead uh, – interviewed Robert I, Kirkman. I just read kind of the – um, uh, what's the word? The transcript from the Image Expo – panel that Kirkman did, and there's a lot of good Walking Dead stuff in the interview. If anybody just wants to, you know, if you want to Google Image Expo 2012 Kirkman panel or something like that, you should be able to find it pretty easily. I'm trying to think if I even found it on Ain't It Cool News or maybe it was Bleeding Cool. I think I saw it in both of those places, actually. I will warn people, though, I haven't read this one, but just be aware that with Robert Kirkman panels, he tends to be very loose with comic spoilers. So if you don't want to know those at all, you might want to stay away. This one could be different. I don't know. But he tends to let some very big comic spoilers fly because for him, it's been, you know, six, seven years since some of these were published. But uh, some of these things have not happened in the show yet or have happened very differently. So just be forewarned. I, I have to throw one thing in for anybody that maybe didn't read the interview. And I won't. This will derail things, but I'll make it quick. 
Uh, the scene where Laurie runs down the zombie in the road, um, they have this running joke with the writers that when, when they ask Robert Kirkman, like, any other ideas or anything else you want to throw in, he always answers a dinosaur just you know as a big joke and like there's a lot of dinosaurs in his comics too and he does super dinosaur and he loves dinosaurs anyway the Who team love dinosaurs? exactly the team cgi'd a dinosaur in on the road instead of the zombie and sent them the clip on his phone so Lori actually runs over a, a velociraptor on the road that better be on the DVDs. he said he's gonna he's gonna work on getting it like on youtube or whatever and to keep an eye out for it so that's absolutely awesome yeah <laughs> So they take down those two uh, cop or two security guard zombies, and, and somewhere along the way, I guess, Jim, you're saying it's afterwards, this is where they see the, the zombie bodies on the ground that have just been completely burned to a crisp. They also find those other two corpses. I wanted to ask you guys about this. I think it's right about the same point in the, in the story, that they look and they can't find any bites on them. I think those are the two security guards. Yeah. Okay. But they look and they can't find any bites. They can only find scratches. I was wondering, is that something new? Because I don't remember that from book from book or show well it hasn't been made clear what the deal is with infection um they were worried about scratches with beth originally uh when she kind of went into her shock or coma or whatever and there's like body fluids flying all over the place in these episodes like zombie fluids and it doesn't seem to be affecting anybody my theory is that the jenner whisper has something to do with the how people are infected or what happens. Uh, I guess there's the one theory that um, everybody that dies turns into a zombie, right? Is that like one of the running Well, theories? I mean, we know the answer to that question for sure in the comics, but that is the theory for um, whether it's different or the same in the show. Because it seems to me like Rick knows more than he's letting on. Is that what you guys got out of it or was I kind of he over? He seemed like he was hiding something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I it has something to do with what he heard from Jenner. Because I can't imagine Rick knowing anything else that everybody wouldn't know. Um, so that's my that's where I think it's coming from. It's right. pretty logical. I'm a logical guy. <laughs> You're like Mr. Spock and stuff. So meanwhile, back at the farm around this time, uh, Lori brings Beth her lunch, tells her, you know, you need to eat, you need to keep your energy up, uh, eat this, and then we'll go out for a walk, see the sights around the farm. Um, but she noticed that Beth is really out of it, really depressed. And uh, eventually she realizes after she comes back and takes the tray away because Beth hasn't eaten anything that Beth kept the knife. And uh, it does not take very long for Lori to run back upstairs, get the knife for, from her and uh, alert everyone else that Beth is uh, presumably she's contemplating suicide. That's quite a knife for cutting your meal. That was quite a steak knife. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Too emo to live. <laughs> Um, meanwhile, Rick is, uh, Rick gets Randall out of the back of the car. Randall has been blindfolded. He has been gagged. He has, uh, earbuds taped inside of his ears, uh, so they can completely, uh, remove him from the situation and he won't be able to tell where they've been going. And, uh, they, they bring him out into the middle of the parking lot, still tied up. Um, and they leave him there. They give him a knife about, uh, what did you say? 20, 30 feet away from him. And, uh, they're about to leave and Randall's pleading with them to take him back and say, look, I wasn't really with those guys. I was alone. I was scared. These were the people who were around. They kept me alive. Um, just I can help out. And then he drops the bomb that I know Maggie. I went to school with Maggie. And maybe I was just being dense, but kudos to the writers for keeping it subtle enough that Rick got it before I did of, oh, crap, that means he potentially knows where the farm is. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big uh, 
a big mistake by that kid. Well, I mean, uh, we'll see how it plays out. But I mean, he was just he was grabbing anything. And granted, we don't know that it's true. Uh, we don't know what went on for the last week, how much of that he was comatose after his uh, surgery on the part of Herschel, how much he was kept tied up and gagged. But why hasn't he mentioned this before? Did Maggie come across him? Why Why did no one come into this information till now? I mean, every time this kind of thing happens in the show where we go, why didn't they talk about that? It, they answer that question in the next five minutes of the first uh, the first five minutes of the next episode. So we'll see. But um, yeah, it was definitely kind of a, oh, this is going to be a lot more complicated than we thought. I almost think the next episode will be the week that we missed. Uh, could be. Although I, I hope they, I hope they just keep going and don't keep filling in those blanks. But we'll yeah, see. I don't or need. Maybe I don't, have some flashbacks. In I don't it. need Beth back in a coma. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I feel like anything we miss, aside from maybe that slight bit of information that can we can find out in a two minute conversation, I, I don't need to know what happened in that week. They just need to keep moving forward. As far as I'm concerned, I agree. It just seemed like from some of the preview uh, images that that might be the case. Right. So uh, Shane and Rick figured out pretty much the same time. Shane draws his gun. He's about to kill Randall, but Rick uh, knocks him out of the way and he misses the shot. And then they get into a knockdown drag out argument. Uh, it's been a long, long time coming. Um, but, you know, Shane says that Randall, he's going to go back to his group. He's going to give him information about the farm that we're screwed. Um, he says, you know, Rick is just going to put everybody in danger if he lets his kid live and says Rick can't keep him safe. And, uh, at that's this, the line. That's the line. That's like the straw that breaks Rick's back. Right. So he looks and he says, "I don't think you can keep them safe." That's when Rick's hits him. You know, it's not until he hits, he, hits, he says that. Right. And at this time, all this time, Randall is uh, kind of inching his way along the ground towards the knife because uh, he's going to be damned if he's going to sit there and let these guys debate his fate and not do anything to try to save his life. Uh, so Rick takes away Shane's gun when Shane tries to shoot Randall again. Rand <laughs> Shane finds. Uh, well, I guess the, 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 the motorcycles first. He drops Rick to the ground and drops a motorcycle on him. Uh, Rick gets out and is in a different spot. Shane grabs a lug wrench, a pipe wrench and throws it at Rick and breaks a window. And when the window breaks, I just, I wasn't really clear if they, this woke the zombies up inside or just gave them a way out. And all of a sudden we've got a swarm of walkers coming out the window. Now there was a really cool shot, um, right? after Shane throws the wrench at Rick and it, and it destroys the window. And if you go back and see it, it's there's a big pane of broken glass. You see the reflection of Shane in the broken glass, and then slowly the walker coming up in the hole of the window. I just thought it was really uh, artfully shot. I really, that really stuck out to me in that scene. Yeah, yeah, there was a couple cool shots. This is one of the first ones that I was like, oh, I like the way they did that. What's cool, what, what was cool about it to me was, you know, Shane is like a bloody mess and he's got this weird look on his face. I'm, I'm actually looking at the frame right now and he looks like a zombie in the reflection. And it, it kind of, you know, like I might be reading too much into this stuff and whatever, but it goes back to that, like, who's the monster here? You know, right. or, and the, the walker that stands up first is bald too, like Shane, isn't Right, it? right. And then you yeah. also get the other thing, you know, we're the walking dead. Which, right, and think back to the last time Shane looked in a window or looked in a mirror. That was the time he was shaving his head and remembering what he did to Otis. Right. So, I mean, him looking, him reflecting on himself, pun very much intended, is something he does not like doing. Anyway, back at the farm, Maggie, Lori tells Maggie what happened. And so Maggie is trying to talk Beth out of committing suicide. And meanwhile, Lori, are, Lori and Andrea are downstairs arguing uh andrea of course says that it's best decision just like it should have been her decision when uh, when dale took the gun away from her if beth wants to live she's got to make that decision herself 
Uh, Lori disagrees. They start criticizing each other. Lori says that Andrea is lazy and selfish. And Andrea makes uh, this. This is the second time that there was a comment where the character got it just slightly before I did. And I was very happy with the subtlety. But she says, your husband came back from back from the dead. Your son gets shot and comes back from the dead. You get to have your your you get to have a baby. You get to have your son alive. You get to have your husband and a boyfriend, and it took me that second to realize. Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a bridge too far. And uh, meanwhile, you know, Maggie and Beth are, are, or Maggie and yeah, Maggie and Beth are screaming at each other upstairs. And uh, Beth is saying we should do it together. This isn't worth doing. We should just we should kill each other together tonight. You know, right here in this bed, right next to each other. Just be over with it. I know you can't live without me. I don't wouldn't want to do the same thing without you. So let's just do it together. And uh, everything's kind of falling apart over there. This, the idea of a suicide pact, um, again, is something that's from the comic. What's interesting is when it happens in the comic, it's two completely different people in a completely different setting with totally different circumstances. So, you know, but it kind of tells you that that scene isn't coming because I don't think you do two suicide packs. Um, so it's interesting that they decide to pull something from that scene which is something that we're probably not going to see as a whole you know what i mean and, and honestly the two characters you're referring to that suicide pact is pretty much the only thing that they do of any consequence in the entire series so right if you if you you now that you have that story somewhere else you can cut those characters out completely and it won't make a lick of difference which is probably good because it's two less people to pay <laughs> for a storyline that hey that's the end of it you don't come back from that yeah, that was exactly the point I was going to make, is they're really borrowing a theme rather than borrowing the actual character, per se. Uh, also, the scene with uh, Lori and Andrea, I wanted to just point out real quick, but she says that when she you know lists all these things that Lori has, it just seems like she's getting more and more jealous. And then finally, when she says boyfriend, you know, and the jealousy comes to her head. It's kind of cool that Andrea is like the voice of the viewers right now. You know, like how many people have been screaming all of this stuff about Lori since the beginning of the show, you know, all the Lori hate that we've given out. It's like well, Andrea I mean, gets it. Kinda, both of them kind of got to voice viewers' criticism of e of the other character, you know? You're being lazy, you're trying to do the men's work, you're just you're just being this, that, or the other thing. Both of them got to do that, and they got to put those things right out on the table and, uh, you know, air, air their grievances. Festivus. Yes, <laughs> I couldn't think of the word, but I was going to say, it's just like, insert word here, insert Festivus. So somewhere after this, after this argument, Andrea goes upstairs and she offers to take Maggie's place and watch Beth. And uh, so Maggie goes to lay down for a while. And Andrea says, uh, look, I I'm not going to talk you out of this. Is this what you want? She opens the door and she leaves Beth alone. Uh, we don't really know why, but it's so Beth can make her own decision. And uh, Andrea just leaves her. Yeah, I was kind of uh, not down with that at all i mean i understood a line of reasoning but like when someone is in a suicidal state leaving them you know the ability to hurt themselves like that just didn't sit right with me it just seemed a little little mental oh i mean philosophically it doesn't i don't agree with it either but i think in terms of would the character do that i think she certainly would especially given her reasoning her reasoning is okay so she decides to hurt herself that's what she was going to do she's going to find a way and just like her in her own situation if that's the decision she wants to make, that is her decision and only hers to make. So from a character perspective, I thought it worked just fine. I enjoyed the female half of the show, I guess we'll call it, because we have all men in the one side and all women on the on the other side. Um, up to this point, I was pretty good with it. I think 
I don't want to skip ahead, but I think when they then later throw the Maggie against Andrea in, it was a little too much. It went from like Lori, Maggie, Beth, Maggie, Beth, Lori, Andrea, Lori. What am I forgetting? Lori, Andrea. No, I don't know. I see. I'm confused. Um, <laughs> it, it jumped around a lot. It seemed like there were too many different angles and people involved. I don't know how you guys felt about it. I mean, I'm not going to hate on this episode. I liked it a lot. But the the, the way that the women kind of spiraled out of control, maybe that was the idea, but I thought it was a little choppy. Yeah, it didn't bother me, but I could see why you would say that. So we then cut back to the public workstation where Rick and, and Shane are fighting, or they're, they're fighting the, the walkers this time. And uh, Rick uses all of his ammunition in this awesome little bit where, let's see, he's he's trying to get away. One zombie comes up to him. He shoots that zombie. It falls on top of him. So now he's kind of weighed down with his dead weight. Then a second zombie's right behind him. And he can't, at that point, he doesn't take that one down. Then a third zombie falls right down on top of them. So he's got three zombies on top, two quote unquote alive, one dead. He can't get a beat on them. They keep knocking the gun away. And he's trying to keep them away from scratching or biting him. So he puts the gun in the second zombie's mouth. And blows the third zombie's head off through the mouth of the second zombie. It was a very Indiana Jones moment. And it was very, very cool gag. Even when they cut around and you could see the barrel of the gun through the second zombie's head, through his skull. Yeah. That was a really cool gag. And really good zombies, too. Uh, These weren't the cheap, just gray, face-painted zombies. There was some really good work in this episode. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And that is our zombie kill of the week. (laughs) So when I was watching this, you know, all I could think of was the old Looney, uh, Looney Tunes uh, cartoon, uh, Dog Pile on the Rabbit, Dog Pile on the Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> so Rick is the rabbit, is what you're saying? In this instance, yes. <laughs> so while this is all going on, Shane has completely abandoned Rick. He runs to a school bus. He's got, what, 15, 20 zombies face, uh, chasing him. He barricades them inside, and they're trying to push through the uh, the accordion door. So he's pretty much using all of the strength just to keep the door shut. Meanwhile, Randall, just in time, cuts his feet free. Uh, he breaks, uh, his hands are still tied, but he like breaks the, uh, the arm of the zombie that kind of lunged for him and missed. Uh, this gives him enough time to kind of unbind himself, unbind his legs. And, uh, he also puts a knife through the skull of that particular uh, zombie. Rick catches a few, up with him. a few more time, a few more times than he really needed to. It made me think that Randall might have some uh, anger issues. Yeah, uh, I mean, later down the road, because he not only stabs her in the head, he stabs her in the head like a half dozen times in a row with increasing ferocity. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of when um, uh, Carol put that put the pickaxe through Ed's head a few times. But I mean, there's two ways you go. That one, this guy is imbalanced, and like you said, he's got anger issues. Two, he's just been sensory um sensory deprived and tied up in the back of a van for an hour or whatever and then he's been left pretty much to die by these two guys who've been holding him hostage for a week after he was you know grievously injured i would be pretty upset at that point too and i'm going to take it out on something a zombie seems like the place to do it you know what i mean so i I could see it going either way and i I like that there's you know a lot of ambiguity even at the end of this episode for is this guy a good guy or a bad guy is he going to be an addition to the team or is he a danger uh, where was I? So Rick catches up with Randall and he, uh, kind of grabs him, pulls him around the walkers, uh, and they run, they're going to run back to, uh, well, they, they kind of stop for a second and Randall's saying, we just got to leave him. We got to go. And, uh, Rick grabs him and they go to the, uh, the SUV 
And uh, but Rick has a change of heart. He he sees Shane kind of like the same way he would have viewed Otis. He doesn't want to make that same decision. He wants to show Shane he's the bigger man. Meanwhile, Shane's seeing him running away and thinking he's left for dead. He's trying to stab the zombies. He eventually loses his knife. Uh, things are not looking good when the SUV comes around the corner. Rick's leaning out the window, shooting zombies, and says, "You know, go run to the emergency exit door." Shane does. He jumps into the window of the SUV, and they make a quick getaway. And we should we should mention that uh, cutting in and out of these scenes is Shane fighting off the zombies in the bus, and he's using the Rick technique. He he's cut his hand open. He wipes the blood near the door. So when the zombies are kind of distracted trying to lick the door, he's stabbing them in the head. Plus, we get this whole uh, dramatic tension. I mean, Shane, he sees Rick and Randall through the window, like, getting away, running away. And he thinks that Rick has left it there to die. And he just, I mean, Bernthal just has that look of, uh, just, like, desperation, you know, seeing that Rick has left him here. And then he goes from kind of desperation to kind of resigned, like, okay, I understand why. You know, it was just, like, this really cool, subtle acting moment I noticed. And then there was also a moment with Rick where, you know, him and Randall, or, or, and Randall, like you said, uh, Jordan, is like, just leave him, let's just get away, let's just get away. And they, there's this pause, and, and there's a close-up of Andrew Lincoln where he is considering leaving Shane there. You know, and there's just this moment, this crisis of conscience, you know, just in his face, and then you realize that he won't leave Shane there, and he has to go back and get him. And, and I think the thing that the, he specifically sees that changes his mind as they're leaving is they run past those two security guard or cop, we don't really know, zombies that they'd stabbed through the head in the beginning of the episode. And they had drug him around to a different area, and he's just got these two dead, doubly dead, uh, zombie bodies in cop uniforms laying side by side. And, I mean, I, there's not really a lot of question that that, rec- that symbolizes him and Shane, at least to the character, and uh, it helps change his mind of, you know, kind of, I kind of saw it as a, hey, it's the two of us Kind of the thing from Planet Terror, two of us against the world till the end. And even though they've just had this huge bloody fight with motorcycles, guns and pipe wrenches, in many ways, you know, you know, the fraternity of the police force, this is something he he can't just leave his brother for dead. You know, they should be going out like these two zombies, you know, side by side until the bitter end. That's good. I didn't think of the two cop uh, metaphor. So anyway, back at the farm. You know, Beth is inside her room and Maggie comes up and finds her locked inside the bathroom and she hears glass breaking. So she starts screaming. Uh, Lori manages to pry the bathroom door open with, uh, I think that was a fire poker from right next to the fireplace. Yep. And in kind of a, oh, shit moment for me, uh, when they get the door open, Beth turns around and she has definitely slit her wrists and the blood is pouring out and she says she is sorry. Yeah, I guess she cracked the mirror. Is that what we see when they go in there? That the mirror yeah. behind her shattered? Yeah. The mirror, or was it a mirror or was it the window? I think it would think it was a mirror, but it's a mirror, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. It's the bathroom mirror. mirror. Uh, so Andrea comes back to check on Beth, and Maggie is understandably furious. And Andrea's like, Look, I was right. You know, she couldn't do it. She, she now knows that she wants to live, and she's going to be fine. And Maggie says, You're crazy, and don't ever come back to this house. And surprisingly, at this point, Lori actually steps up and after Andrea leaves, so Andrea does not hear this, says, Look, I don't agree with her methods. I think what she did was a really stupid thing, but she may be right in the long run, and maybe Beth will be okay now. So, for once, it was interesting to see Lori actually stepping up and and, uh, supporting Andrea, even though she disagreed with her. Yeah, that was shocking. Then we cut back to the Public Works building for the last time, or actually, 
they're they're down the street a little bit because they've uh, they've left the zombies behind. And in a very cool, this is another AMC staple. It happens a lot in Breaking Bad, and it's happened a couple times in um, in Mad Men. And it's something I love. It's the mounting cameras in weird places. They use the uh, the camera as Randall's perspective. You have Rick grabbing the camera, pulling it over to the back of the SUV, and then uh, slipping the uh, the hood over the camera's lens or, or Randall's face again. And we see that he's bound, uh, gagged, bl- uh, blindfolded in the back of the SUV. And uh, Rick says he wants to have a night to think about it, to sleep on it before he's going to kill this kid. He gives Shane his gun back, says you need to follow my commands from now on if you want to remain part of the group. They drive back to the camp and Shane, again, not listening to Rick, just staring out the window, looking at that same lonesome walker walking through the field. And just like that one walker, he realizes he is completely alone. And then we end with the Y Oak song that begins every episode of the show from the season two trailer. Very cool. Which I believe you can get for free from Amazon right now. Did you, um, one thing going back to the camera being, uh, Randall, uh, there's loud music playing. Did you think that was music that was going on in the car or they had the earbuds taped to his head again and that's why it was like so loud and blaring? I think judging by the, the kind of tinniness of it and judging by, I think he did have the headphones in when we see him again. I'm going to guess it's the latter. Yeah, because I was going to say the the two shot. There are two shots from Randall's perspective, and they kind of bookend the episode, as well as the conversations that Rick and Shane have at the beginning and near the end of the episode. They kind of bookend one another. You know, Rick is kind of reemphasizing some of the points that he made before. You know, at the very beginning of the episode, and like you say, Jordan, we get that very uh, pulp fictiony. Uh, you know, from inside the trunk of the car, looking up uh, perspective of Rick. <laughs> Sorry, of Randall's uh, that we saw at the beginning of the episode. So it's kind of you know, w- a weird symmetry there in the, the structuring of the script. We got some messages um, on Facebook, especially, that people thought the lone zombie walker might have been Buster. Um, he seems to be wearing, like, the suit jacket and button-down shirt, but I don't think we get a good enough look to confirm whether it would be Buster or not. I'm going to say no, but... Uh, I think Brad has to make the final call, though, so we'll have to ask him next week. Yeah. I agree. It does get close enough to see that he's wearing kind of like a button-down shirt and stuff, but we're gonna we're gonna need more information. Uh, I'll go ahead and rate this first. I give it four out of five busters. I thought it was a lot better than the last couple of episodes. Uh, I loved the Rick Shane storyline. Like I said, I thought the storyline with Lori and Andrea and Maggie and Beth kind of got a little bit haywire there at the end. Um, you know, mixing up who was fighting every few minutes or whatever, but but that was okay too. Um, I, I think the Randall thing is going to pay off. Um, you know, I think he has ill intentions, and there's going to be some good storylines coming out of that. So I give it a four, and I'm glad it's kind of headed in a better direction. We needed like an all-out zombie massacre episode. We haven't had one in a while. That's why I'm giving it a four too, John. I really uh, appreciate the return of the walkers. Um, there, and there were quite a lot of them. I was happy to see the development. Finally, the things come to a head with Rick and Shane. Uh, it's been a long time coming, and I'm glad that it, uh, it I don't know, necessarily resolved, but uh, kind of uh, came out this way. Um, I, I agree this, you know, Randall's up to no good. <laughs> and I think everybody else knows it too. Um, I, but four out of five busters thought it was fairly solid. Uh, I missed half the cast. 
uh, not being in the show. But then again, you know, Jordan did make a good point about the, you know, the story being a little tighter, a little more focused without. Um, I, I kind of think that, um, in this episode, Andrea was kind of mental and Lori was kind of bitchy. Uh, but other than that, I give it a four out of five. I really, you know, four to five busters. It's one of the stronger episodes of the, this season, in my opinion. I am going to go out on a limb. I really like this episode and I really, really like this episode. There's not a thing about it that I went, ooh, they could have done that differently. I didn't like this conversation. I didn't like that shot. I'm giving it a five out of five. I think this is what the show needs to be from here on out. Uh, it, it doesn't need to be this action packed necessarily, but the tighter stories, the uh, symbolism, the book ended beginning, middle end, slightly more episodic story. This, you know, this works as a single self-contained episode for the most part. This is what they need to be doing. And I know it's going to be controversial, but, and I'm also going to go retroactively and say that season one, episode one is also getting a five now. I don't think I gave it that at the time, but now that I've seen more of the show, I think this is, this is top tier for The Walking Dead. I think this is its five. Well, hopefully it's like you said, hopefully, um, either having a smaller cast or, kind of rotating who the who the stories are focusing on and leaving the other people out you know hopefully that'll help keep it tighter um you know like you said if it is a cost-cutting thing that doesn't have to be bad you know i don't think it is anyway but it might be a good alternative to killing characters off if that's not the plan or just trying to shoehorn people in for a few scenes every, every episode you know they you know they talk about herschel we don't see him we never needed to see herschel they talk about glenn they talk about dale we did not need to see those characters those episode this episode, and I think it was a very good decision decision not to just shoehorn them in because you have them. Keep it tight, keep it uh, focused. Jim, can you read Brad's uh, rating, and then I believe Aaron, uh, our friend from Out Now, also sent in some thoughts. Well, our friend, our and our co-host Brad is uh, in Chicago this weekend, actually hanging out with the Blues Brothers at Wrigley Field. Uh, so he uh, joins us with, uh, via the electronic mail with the following missive. Uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. If the Walking Dead TV show was an old friend of mine and I ran into them on the street, I'd say, hey, WD, where you been, man? It feels like I haven't seen you since season one. Next time you feel like you need to go find yourself, don't stay away so long. I was wondering if I'd ever see you again. This is the show I fell in love with back in 2010. I'm glad the creators of the show seem to have remembered what made the show awesome in the first place. Tension and zombies. Yes, both have been present in recent episodes, but not nearly enough. This episode had them in spades. This episode felt like coming home. A couple of specific thoughts. The scene with Rick telling Shane how things were going to be from that point on. Both of those scenes, actually, but especially the first one, felt like it could have come directly from the comic. This is the Rick, the Rick I love. And secondly, Shane identifying with the lone zombie in the field was really well played. How many of us haven't felt the way Shane feels now, alone and by himself? Walk, welcome back, Walking Dead, four busters. That's what our good friend Brad has to say about it. Very cool. And he didn't mention the lone zombie at the end being Buster, so it is not officially then. It's officially. Until until he declares it such, it is not. And our good friend Aaron Newarth from the Out Now podcast and WhySoBlue.com uh, wrote, a, wrote a few uh, uh, notes for us as well. Uh, a few summarized thoughts. Three and a half busters from me on this one. I like the idea of this being a self-contained episode. 
Uh, new viewers could uh, literally walk in this episode and be pretty fine with it. It has a beginning, middle, and an end to the story presented. However, I did not find that we really got anywhere by the time it ended. Yes, Rick and Shane had a big fight, but came to an understanding of sorts for now, and everyone's favorite character, Beth, is alive. Now, I'd rather not see some kind of thread where the season is going, given there's not much left to it. Well, that's interesting. It's kind of a dissenting opinion. Yeah, uh, we'll get to some... Well, I guess this is a good enough time as any. Uh, just some quick buster comments on Twitter. Um, the problems that people had, you did get a couple like Caesar that said best Walking Dead episode yet, five out of five, so he agrees with Jordan, definitely. Um, a 3.9 from Robert. Uh, he says, going in the right direction, still need to get there, though. Finally seeing the divergent path. Uh, 4.5 from Liz. Uh, Brad ZB did not like it. Brad gave it two busters. Um, he basically says that he's bored with the show since it started back up, and again, it's not going anywhere, which is kind of what Aaron said. You know, I guess you could look at it that way, but for me, you know, having a good hour of TV is not is more important to me than it actually moving the story. You know, I don't need it to be a week later with other things going on if the hour that I watched was just good. Well, I mean, beyond that, this is not, and uh, this could also be controversial, this is not a story-driven show. You know, I made allusions to Lost before. This is not Lost. There is no, we need to get to the bottom of X mystery. There's no, we need to get off this island. There's no, we need to get to the A, point A, point B, point C. This is, we need to not die, right. either at our own hands or by the zombies. It's not going there. Where does it need to go? I mean, I know we want them to get to certain points in from the comic. But whether they do or don't, that's not the goal, quote unquote, of the show or of the characters. The goal is just don't die. And so for me, it doesn't need to, quote unquote, go anywhere necessarily, as long as there are dramatic moments of people trying not to die. Right. And I mean, look at the source material. It's been running for 95 months and they're still running from zombies. (laughs) That's the that's pretty much the idea. You know, it's not like you said, I think you put it very well. It's not lost. This isn't a mystery with an end or a reveal or a conclusion or resolution. This is live in the zombie apocalypse. And every time they've gone somewhere in the comics, it's only because the place they were became too dangerous. They were going to die. It wasn't because, you know, aside from like the the Fort Benning thing, it's not we need to get to somewhere. It's we need to get away from somewhere. So, Jim, you have some Facebook comments for... uh for this episode? Absolutely do. As usual, our Facebook group, uh, Walking Dead TV Podcast, is very active and very vocal, and they have their buster ratings that they'd like to put out. Uh, Ken Mills uh, gave it four and a half busters. Uh, Newt Knight gives it 4.75. Uh, Belinda Clark Ake gave it a three. It was solid, but not a panty wetter. Oh, can we say that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike Jones gives a four and a quarter. Uh, Jade Sun gives a four and a half. Holding back half a buster because I almost felt like I was being slammed from all sides by character conflict overload. Yeah, I could see that. Um, BDS Merck is a solid four and a half busters. Uh, Carlos Fuentes, five, baby. Best episode since Vatos. Um, we also find out that the song at the end, there was driver's seat. Um, not the very end song, but the song on the earbuds they put uh, Randall back into the uh, the trunk is driver's seat by Snuff, by Sniff and the Tears. Uh, Emily Moore... Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Emily L. Morg is at a 4.75 busters for me. I thought it was great all around. Uh, Tammy Carol Klein is a four and a half busters. Lots of intense moments. Uh, 
Rick getting out of Triple Decker Walker Pig Pile. <laughs> that is my new metal band right there. Triple Decker Walker Pig Pile. <laughs> Our buddy Lucas King from, uh, from the Handicast is a four and a half busters. Stellar action and must need much needed reality finally setting in for a lot of relationships. Um, uh, three from uh, Luke Smith FX, three sliced palms, uh, four and a half. So a lot of people really like this one. Um, you know, right around the four, four and a half mark for most people. Yeah, definitely the most positive for season two, I'm going to say. Uh, maybe I'm forgetting an episode or two from before the hiatus, but I'd say this is one of the best. I think the season premiere scored pretty high because that was them on the, on the road, um, trapped with the, with the herd coming. That was, that was a pretty good episode too. Right. But other than that, yeah, I think you, I think you're absolutely right. Jim, I think we have one other email. We do. Uh, it's, it's a little too long to read in its entirety, but it's from Michelle Peoples, uh, listener of the show. She is giving, uh, 18 miles out a four, and she kind of agrees with, uh, listener Jade Sun that she felt like she was being assaulted, uh, on all sides with some of the choices, uh, uh, made by some of the characters. He had Rick versus Shane. He had, uh, uh, what she liked, what she liked, but the, the raw emotion of it seemed to bother her. Um, the, the, she was, she said, you know, with the V's of the Andrea versus Lori versus Maggie thing, uh, that she was all for showing the mundane day to day survival, but, and the feel is something needed to be addressed. But the argument between Andrea and Lori seemed to be this post apocalyptic take on the never ending saga of the stay at home mom versus the single, uh, career oriented childless woman. And that's an interesting take if you think about it, because Lori is trying to, you know, cast Andrea in the domestic mode and, and, and Andrea is definitely not in that mode. She's more, you know, taking more of like, you know, Lori says you're trying to do the men's work. Uh, she thought that the, the argument between Maggie and her sister rang pretty true to her, especially hearing the argument and wondering if you should intervene. Um, and that she, you know, also rang true to her that Andrea pointed out that, you know, the suicidal sister's attempt failed because that she actually really did want to live. Um, and she also missed the presence of Carl, and Carol and Dale and Daryl and Glenn and T Dog. <laughs> I, I want to uh, say, guys. I think I only missed Carl. I was okay with everybody else taking one off. I mean, T Dog, I didn't even know he wasn't there. I mean, <laughs> to be for honest. ancillary uh, thing after T Dog in parentheses says, for the love of God, please give this man a storyline. Yeah, and I didn't mean that as a slight on T Dog or Irony Singleton or anything. They're just not, he hasn't had anything to do yet. Um, and and they, that was brought up in the interview that I was talking about from Image Expo that he said that T Dog is definitely not Tyrese, who is a character that people who read the comics know, and he will have more to do soon. So there yeah. you have it. Uh, where are we at, Jordan? You wanted to say something. Yeah. So there's two things that have come out recently, uh, both regarding Glenn Mazzara, the current uh, and new showrunner for the show, uh, and I, I wanted to touch on both of them because uh, I thought they were important. We already talked a little bit about him earlier in the recap but one was they're talking about and i think they both came from the same interview uh they're talking about a where exactly in the show did darabont leave because a lot of people have been very curious about that and since we've now passed that point we weren't sure where it was but we knew by the second half of the season we had passed it um they, they want to talk about that they also want to talk about what how does glenn mazar run the show differently than darabont for better or for worse um and one of the things i believe it was kirkman said was go back to the scene where Lori comes clean to Rick about sleeping with Shane. Darabont did not want to do that. Darabont wanted to drag it out even further. And Glenn Mazzara is the, the, the kind of showrunner who wants to put these things on the table. He's the reason why in this episode, we finally get Rick and Shane actually discussing the issues, actually discussing, I know this. I know you know this. We need to talk about it. It's the reason why, uh, 
Andrea and Lori had their big discussion this week. Why this is what uh, this is my problem with you and, for, you know, vice versa, actually getting these issues on the table. And that's something that Kirkman and I agree with him said he prefers. He prefers that Glenn Mazar is taking this. Let's not just keep dragging everything out. Let's get to the damn point already and have these characters say their piece. And that runs into where did Darabont leave? For anybody who's curious, the last episode that Darabont not necessarily had everything to do with, but that he had anything to do with was the episode, I believe it's called Secrets, but it's the episode before the mid-season finale. So the mid-season finale was the first episode that was completely Glenn Mazzara as showrunner. Uh, so if you're curious, and I think so far these three episodes, counting that one, that we've had, um, the two episodes since we've been back and the first episode before – were of the stronger, not counting the season premiere, of season two. Uh, so if you're curious about the differences between the two showrunners' styles, you can look now at first half of season one, that's Darabont, and second half plus the first episode uh, before we before we took the break, those are Glenn Mazzara, for anybody who's curious. And now people can make their arguments for what they like better, what they like worse, but uh, it is nice that we finally have a for sure bit of inf- information of this is where the split is, or right. was. Very good. So I guess that about wraps it up for 18 Miles Out. Uh, Jordan will take us home through all of our business, and then we will give you guys a chance to check out if you don't want to hear the preview for next episode. And then make sure to stick around for bloopers, because I think just like last week, there will be some this week. And I know people were a fan of last week's. Yes, very well done. There were many fans of last week's bloopers. There was a lot of weird and funny stuff said last week, for sure. So until next week, you can leave us a voicemail at 516-468-7912. That's 516-468-7912. Or send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Don't forget, you can also hear our shows on the YouTube channel, Walking Dead TV Podcast, where there's also Comic-Con videos, contests, and more. Check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, Legion of Dudes, The PKD Black Box, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, Media Minutes, and the brand new Tech Dudes. And you can also hear that episode of Half Hour Wasted we talked about earlier where I talk about Fiverr and Frenzy. You can check us out at forumforgeeks.com as well as our Facebook groups for all the show. And follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at hhwlod underscore network. So until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember... You don't love her. You think you do, but you don't. Have a good week, everybody. Good night. And next week on The Walking Dead, spoilers, 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 at least minor ones, the episode is called Judge, Jury, Executioner. And the synopsis we have is Rick sides with shame, causing Dale to worry that the group is losing its humanity. Carl's actions have unintended consequences. I'm intrigued already. Oh, the humanity. Carl's actions have unintended consequences, eh? I wonder how Judge Judy's going to factor into this episode. Good night. Have a good one, everybody. Cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort. Suffocation. No breathing. Don't give a fish. Oh, if I cut my arm, Wait, say final album from Five Iron Frenzy five times fast. Final album from Five Iron Frenzy five times fast. Final album from Five Iron Frenzy five times fast. Final album from Five Iron Frenzy five times fast. Final album from Rebel. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I got three, though. Bloopers. <laughs> With Five for Fighting. Yeah. <laughs> the Fantastic Four, Five for Fighting, and the Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers. Johnny Storm, the, fan, the what is it? Johnny Storm was denied a bank loan? <laughs> the Human the Torch. The Human Torch <laughs> yeah. was denied a bank loan. Uh, uh, okay, here we go. <clears throat> 
Sorry, I just realized I never plugged my laptop in, so I'm going to run across the room and grab my plug here before I run out of battery. Don't grab your plug too hard, Jordan. You'll go blind. <laughs> Especially if we're recording. I don't want to hear that. I was like, why is my screen getting dark all of a sudden? I better, I better check mine. I can actually last for quite a bit longer, but well, that came out the wrong way. That's what she said. <laughs> Ladies come first. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. Quiet, baby. You'll wake up the other bitches. <laughs> You'll wake up the other bitches. That's a great movie. Damn you, Skype. I rate your call quality poor. I can't read or he can't write. Um, oh, okay. Let's start that over. Brag- Six to one half dozen of the other. <laughs> Where is Yoda? Where is Yoda? Why is Dagoba? this not in alphabetical order? Okay. Fear leads to pain. Pain leads to anger. Anger leads to the dark side. You have to put that in the bloopers. <laughs> okay. Darth, Darth Skype. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Phantom Menace, stupid Skype. Well, it is free. And run by Microsoft. And surprise, surprise, it doesn't work. You get what you pay for. Judge Judy. Judge Judy and Executioner. Ugh. What is that from? 